Good evening. It is Friday, May 21st. I'm scared already. Welcome to the Marionette Theater. Please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Well, hi-de-ho there, neighbor-type person, uh, Mr. Toppy. How are you this fine evening? I've had better days, DJ, but I'm fine now. Uh, I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to Jesus, I'm okay. The, the, the white coats have taken you off of their call list, huh? Basically. Hmm. We had a humdinger of a day on the old thermometer here in the western New York, and uh, I think it might have gotten near 90. And, uh, you know, it was quite toasty. This, this, uh, not even, not even the end of spring yet, but I guess that's around the corner. Yeah. Oh, in fact, I'm turning my fan off right now because I think it's making <laughs> we we have some things going on behind the curtain here and uh but yeah i think that uh you know we've got an early start to the summer or at least a taste of summer boy somebody can work that into a, a product pitch i'm sure a taste uh, of summer oh my god matt's touching his nipples good lord <laughs> we do have another person here in uh the balcony it's getting a little crowded but it's okay we've been vaccinated and uh you know we've been craving some human contact lately so um if you folks will please give a round of applause our partner in crime from the other coast, our Univaz brother in crime, Mr. Matt Burlingame, is here tonight. Oh, excuse me. I was just finishing my mouse. You caught me off guard. It's delicious. Raspberry. Oh, is that a, a late Easter treat, sir? Actually, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it, it was a special effect from the, what we're going to talk about. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I'm forgetting my place here. We're, we are <laughs> tilting towards the 80s, folks, with the program of tonight's discussion. And uh, speaking of things worth talking about, uh, we have our senior showgirl who uh, is somewhere in the house. Gertie, are you around, ma'am? Oh, you, you better believe it. If Matt Burlingame's here, I'm here. And Maddie, Maddie Pooh, I got some things down at the concession stands later for you. Ooh. Yeah, I'll I meet love you that. there. I'll meet you there, buddy. <laughs> Okay, Gertie. Well, if you'll get yourself downstairs there, uh, let our folks in the audience know what we're discussing okay, tonight. Okay, okay. I'm going. I'm going right now. Bye. I'll see you later. Bye. Mike is a cameraman for the local news station. Ever since the divorce, he's been struggling to make ends meet. Until one day, his team is invited to join the reception for a somewhat foreign delegation. As in from outer space. After an impressive entrance, somehow it's hard to believe the visitors are merely in need of some basic supplies. Hmm... 
Are they wolves in sheep's clothing? Or are our new alien visitors about to share their wealth and gratitude? Well, grab a can of hairspray on your 80s workout clothes. It's time for the Humankind's Last Stand. Stand, stand, stand. <laughs> All right, hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies? And a smidgen of screaming? It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Tommy. The folks in the chat room and uh, Discord suck. I'd be there tonight, except I've had several. I don't see you, and I'm sorry about that. Several computer problems. Uh, I'll be there next time, folks. Testicle time. difficulties, stand by. <laughs> Speaking of the chat room, uh, I will. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, if we look over the balcony, we have our old pal from the Mid Atlantics there, our friend Aunt Tudor, who's so kind to meet us at Farpoint each year. We also have. The uh, the queen of the the late or the uh, tilted Midwest there, uh, Ma Ren is in the chat room. Hi, Ma Ren. We also have our old pal from the Great White North in Fort Maple, Tommy Hash Browns, is in our chat room tonight. Hi, and, Tommy. Oh, and. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast version, some of the fun that we're having in the chat room is uh, we have some eye candy. We have a picture of one of the uh, stars of tonight's show all ready for the pool. You'll have to come to the chat Mr. room. Mr. Mark Singer. <laughs> He's so delicious. Mm. <laughs> uh, DJ, this this here miniseries came out in 1983. Now that's a long time ago. Let's remind people what was going on in the world back then. Okay, the U.S. in 1983. In 83, the musical Annie was performed on Broadway for the last of over 2,000 shows, 2,377 to be exact. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> and that was Toppy's audition. Uh, in Hawaii, Mount Kilauea began erupting and is still to this day. Well, alrighty then, Mount Kilauea, be yeah. that way. I mean, driving down property values, ah. <laughs> uh, just like the Reagan administration. Oh, ah. and it's still okay. So Apple, yes, uh, you know, the trendsetters in the computer world. Well, they released the Lisa. You probably haven't heard of it, but it was the first commercial computer. It was uh, it came with quite the price tag. Uh, the U.S. EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, began evacuation of dioxin-contaminated small town in Missouri called Times Beach. I've had that rash before. Then <laughs> 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 President Reagan, Ronnie Reagan, he announced the Star Wars Missile Defense Program. Also pew, 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 pew. pew. And uh, Carrie Fisher had nothing to do with it. Uh, and uh, in New England, their main 
schoolgirl Samantha Smith was invited to the Soviet Union after a letter she, she wrote about fears of nuclear war was read. And uh, National Missing Children's Day, Etan Khalil Potts was one of the first missing child cases to have a photo appear on a milk carton. So the heyday of the uh, face on the milk carton, that began in the 80s there, 83. And uh, let's see, astronaut Sally Ride, she became the first woman in space in 83. And a few other things rounding out the year. Gyanin Bluford becomes the first African-American astronaut in space. Hmm. Uh, Miss Vanessa Williams, who you might know from shows oh, like Desperate She didn't go up into space too, did she? Well, no. I don't know. Uh, if you pay enough money these days, anything's possible. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Williams became the first African-American woman crowned Miss America. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's later taken away, but you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Reagan signed a bill creating a federal holiday on the third Monday of every January to honor American civil rights leader Martin Luther King. About time. And lastly, the Food and Drug Administration approved cyclosporine. Now, this was an important drug because it revolutionized organ transplants at the time. You used to have to have an exact tissue match and uh, cyclosporine made it possible for people to live longer lives after an organ transplant. You know, I've forgotten all about that cycle thing, but I do remember it being a big thing back then. It also made organs taste better when the visitors ate them. Mm. It was a nice spice. <laughs> it's a condiment, yes. And Didi do. Uh, folks, there were a few people born that year in 83, so... I'll just say it's uh, Carrie Underwood, country musician. Um, Mila Kunis. Did I pronounce that right? Mm, yes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's uh, she, she was <laughs> She was at that 70s show. She was also on Jupiter Ascending. And uh, while I, by God, she's the wife of Ashton Kutcher. Yes. So um, there you go. Miss, Mrs. Kutcher, uh, Mark II. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, well, 83, when this miniseries came out, DJ, what was it competing against on the telly? Oh, right. So when V premiered as a miniseries, it was a two-night event, folks. And actually, um, before I tell you what's on uh, the uh, competition there, perhaps I should give you a little taste of the trailer for tonight's show. Shall I go ahead and play that? Ew, yes. Matt's, Matt's applauding, yes. We wondered what beings from another world would look like. And then at the moment of meeting, we learned they were just like us. He doesn't even look like Mr. Spock. We have come because we need your help. Our planet is in serious environmental difficulty. Their purpose on Earth, to save their dying world. The visitors desperately needed to import manufactured kettles not found on their planet. And in return, we will gladly share with you all the fruits of our The visitors were warmly welcomed into every facet of our culture. It became a kid's dream to sign up with the Visitor Youth Corps. They earned our friendship, and sometimes even more. The visitors became a welcome addition to our lives. They were here to stay. Mike Donovan and his colleague Christine Walsh became the celebrated T News crew to cover visitor affairs. But one night, a boy.
aboard the mothership, Donovan made a startling discovery. The operation is working perfectly. The visitors were lying. They were not like us. on network television. But before the broadcast, the visitors commandeer the airwaves. The alien spokesman, John, announced to the world that Mike Donovan was a threat to society, as was anyone who questioned the visitors' mission of peace and universal friendship. Donovan tried to tell Christine. Mike, I work so closely with people every day. You don't believe me, do you? Reptilian with tongues that... It's all true. I've seen it, Chris. Donovan's mother couldn't be convinced. Story ever he became a fugitive. The aliens were determined to kill him before he spread the truth. But soon more people began rebelling against the visitor's stranglehold. However, anyone who tried to escape was taken prisoner. So that was a taste of what was Lord, Lord, did that all that happen? Holy yes. God. That was actually a recap of the first night because it was a two-night event. Oh, that was only the first night? Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, it was a much anticipated event. So in 1983, on the old boob tube, uh, V was up against, well, it didn't have much competition, but V aired on the Peacock, the NBC. <laughs> and uh, it was over two nights, Sunday, May 1st and 2nd at 9 p.m. Now, on the other networks, on ABC, it was the Sunday night movie. And that film was 1941. It was a film about Pearl Harbor, and it was actually directed by Mr. Steven Spielberg. Talk about some stiff competition there. Wow. It also featured Dan Aykroyd, Ned Beatty, and John Belushi. Yeah. And then also in competition with V on uh, Sunday nights, CBS ran The Jeffersons. And one of my personal favorites, Alice. You know what else was a much anticipated event in 1983? Do tell. Yes. My puberty. <laughs> oh, Matthew. That's wonderful. Oh. And we're so and glad. I think that Mark you... Singer jump started it. So. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and, my goodness. And we're so glad that your voice is, is decided to normal out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's happened yet. Uh, <laughs> so we have a special uh, place here in the balcony for our guest of honor sharing the script with us, um, Mr. Matt here. Now, we, we here at the Marionette are a, a venue with uh, many a celebrated history. We were once a place for vaudeville, and we've even had a magician act. Now, uh, speaking of magic... The person behind the uh, TV series V, actually the miniseries is what we're talking about tonight, the director, is Mr. Kenneth Johnson. Matt, would you uh, let the listeners know a little bit about Mr. Johnson? Well, first off, Mr. Johnson was born in Arkansas. We forgive him. <laughs> he had no control. Uh, then he began actually directing for television in the late 1960s, so he was quite old. Uh, his first TV productions were uh, starred comic Alan King and Buddy Hackett. Wow. I know, right? 
<laughs> and his first series, oh my God, was The Bionic Woman, 1976, with Lindsay Wagner, who is a dead ringer for my mother. Whoa. Yes, uh, that is the first series he created. Yep. And Jen, just six years after V, he produced Alien Nation, 1986 with Gary Graham, 21 episodes, six TV movies, and one of my absolute favorite, favorite TV series. Uh, and then Seven Days in 1990, and last was Jag. Hmm. Um, yeah, he did ten, 10 episodes of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I vaguely remember that. No, we actually... We actually discussed Alien Nation on our second season. If you'll go yes. back and uh, you know ch- uh, look out for that episode, and I've actually had a, the privilege of meeting some of the Alien Nation cast at a past sci-fi convention. My only sadness related to Alien Nation is is that um, as one is to uh, as one tends to do if you pay too much attention to things. Apparently, Gary Graham is a right-wing nut job, and I could say oh, that because no. this is my jo- and I could say that because this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, that's disappointing because he went on to do so many amazing sci-fi characters, including in Enterprise. Yeah, he um he also did a uh, a film that was basically the first American version of Japanese robots. You know how we have the Pacific Rim movies now with the robots that fight the dinosaurs, basically. Hmm. Well, there was a film in the, I want to say the mid to late 80s called Robot Jocks. And uh, Gary Graham was in this film. And uh, well, if you can track down a copy, there is a scene where you you might see a a different side of Gary Graham. And I mean, um, the side you see on Laundry Day. Oh, well, I don't want to see it now, though. He's a right-winger. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, before we leave Kenneth Johnson, the director and creator of V, and he certainly certainly seems to be proud of this creation. He's he's still talking about V that he Mm. did all those years ago, so he's still very proud of it. Uh, But the other credit uh, that I, I... can't i can't not say is he did he created and and produced the incredible hulk yeah that show had several seasons i do believe five five cut of five uh anyway so kenneth johnson certainly seemed to love fantasy and sci-fi that's for sure Okay, well, so that was Mr. Johnson, the magician behind the uh, show that we're discussing tonight. And uh, we have a, uh, a roster here of talent that brought us the characters on screen there. Uh, Mr. Smelly, tell us about the first one, the, well, kind of the first officer of the aliens, the visitors. Yeah, she was, uh, she was quite uh, the lady. Uh, on V, she was an alien. Uh, the actress's name is Jane Badler. She was born in New York City, uh, began acting in on TV in the late 70s. Uh, she had uh, some roles on One Life to Live. And then uh, after V, she went on to Falcon Crest and uh, then uh, a remake of Mission Impossible. And later on, she moved to Australia. But Jane Badler, she was a baddie on V. 
Uh, and uh, she just ate those guinea pigs and rats right up. That's all I can say. <laughs> and she had a cameo in the more recent remake, but we don't really talk about that because, um, you know, sometimes when shows are remade, the uh, the original producer isn't as fond of those. So tonight we're talking about the original. Uh, so I'll go ahead and talk about the next member of the cast before we pass off to our guest to continue. Let's see now. While one of the people in the cast was an everyday person, she was the, the, the pretty girl on the screen. Her name was Julie or Juliet in some versions of the script. But Faye Grant, and uh, she played Julie, the uh, the long locked doctor, or uh, you know, doc medical student, basically, a Michigan born. Faye Grant left home at eighteen and hitchhiked through the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, so she's yeah. all traveled. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and uh, after living in Mexico City, she began acting in commercials, which led her to move to L.A. I'm sorry, and then following V. Uh, Faye Grant had a role in a film called Private Eye, or actually a, a failed pilot for NBC. It was a detective show set in the 50s in Hollywood. Hmm. So uh, I'm sure that somebody's digging out that script to try to pitch it again. <laughs> and uh, she was previously, and this is her, her other claim to fame, or maybe not, she was previously at, married to the actor who played um, the first officer on uh, the motion picture Star Trek film, Stephen Collins, who, of course, got himself in trouble after he was on Seventh Heaven. But uh, we won't talk about that. They got divorced in 2015. And according to sources, uh, he divorced her. But uh, yeah, so the next member of our cast, uh, Mr. Matt, tell us about John. The leader, amazing Richard Hurd, who had only started acting just a little bit before that because he's began acting in the 70s. Well, by the time he was cast in V, he'd been in over 200, 200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that good look, good, good, uh, good doing <laughs> that, right? Two dozen TV roles. Among that included Dallas, Heart to Heart, Simon and Simon, and a recurring role in T.J. Hooker, which starred William Shatner. Uh, and he played Captain Dennis Sheridan. The later, uh, later on, uh, an admiral in Sequest 2032. And Admiral Paris's, uh, you know, father, well, Admiral Paris in Star Trek Voyager, who was Tom Paris's father. And then sadly, he passed away last year at 87 and had over 155 credits. And I remember him working so much in the 80s. He was just everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, this this was a cast of thousands. We can't get into all of them, folks. Uh, certainly, you know, one of the more famous ones was Robert England, who who was uh, the mm. guy with the guy with the nails slasher people in the dreams. Who is he? Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Yes. Yeah. And I think uh, I think the way this worked out was right after he did the first uh, Freddy Krueger movie. He was in V. And then, of course, he went on to 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 be in multiple sequels to uh, 
those Freddy Krueger. It was a franchise, but I believe it was the first movie and then he did V. Okay. So he's in that, but um, the last person we're going to focus on is the guy with the pecs. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they gave the credits alphabetically. So Mark Singer kind of came, you know, with his S last name came down at the end, but really I think we can say he's the lead of the show. Uh, that he's the character that carries it. He's the actor that carries it. And Mark Mark Singer is from British Columbia. He was born in Canada. Uh, uh, she's uh, he's the the brother of Laurie Singer. You might know her from Footloose and VR Five. He began acting in the seventies. Uh, had established well over twenty one TV roles by the time he was cast in V. And uh, then his other big thing uh, was uh, a, a lead in Phantasm and also the Beastmaster. That's the thing I remember him most for. He had uh, all, this bag of critters. That's all I remember. And his pecs. Anyways, <laughs> uh, after V, <laughs> he had uh, a number of appearances on Dallas uh, around about 1986. And much more recently, uh, he had uh, he was appearing on The Young and the Restless. Ooh. And very recently, he, he was on Arrow uh, about the DC superheroes. So there you go, Mark Singer. He's... Uh, he, I think he does a lot of convention appearances uh, for his work in the Beastmaster and V, especially. So that's uh, uh, that's the lead, Mark Singer. Now he was also in a movie where he played a stripper. Oh, really? Yes, with Gregory Harrison, if you remember him. Oh, oh, oh who talked about this? I heard someone talking about this. Yes, I think it was called Bachelor or something like that it was a tv movie right um i'm not sure i yeah i i would imagine it was because it was a bit low budget but it's worth watching if you (laughs) like those men you should watch that movie yeah that goes way back okay matt confess do you have a copy in your nightstand (laughs) uh i do not but i actually did own it on vhs for a very long time Ooh, okay. Well, I'll make a, a similar confession. I once stayed up all night just to watch um, Finding Mr. Goodbar with Diane Keaton and um, what was the pretty boy in... Um, uh, Richard Gere? Yes, and, oh. and Pretty Woman because, uh, you know, he was a gigolo in Finding Mr. Goodbar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, That's yes. just nuts, DJ. I nuts know. Speaking yes. of nuts, tonight's show was a listener request. So there you go. The sound of the loon. Norman, they're back. And uh, speaking of listener requests, this is where we move on from the cast. We just have a little fun discussing the show. It's not uh, any bullet point in any meeting agenda. So Matt, yes. what, what's your recollection of V? Did you you know, uh, highly anticipate this through the commercials when it was on TV, the fr- that fateful weekend in 83? Um, yes. And and I think I did because I was a huge Star Trek fan mm-hmm. from reruns. I'm not that old. But um, I, I was just absolutely like, I want to see this. And after the first episode aired, 
I was so enthralled in this show that my grandmother used it as a way to make sure that I did anything that she wanted. <laughs> so I take out the trash, massage her feet, whatever it was that would get me to watch the show. I would do it because I was so in love with it. I watched it every time it aired and I had a great big scrapbook of all the TV guide covers and I listed things that I did and I read all the books and I had all the comics. <sighs> I was just so in love with this show. Yeah, this was a big deal, as I recall, when it came up originally. There were a lot of promos because um, at the time, you know, no internet or nothing. And how would you find out about upcoming television series? Well, there's TV Guide. And there were a few other magazines, Mm -hmm. but mostly as you watch television, you would see a promo in between commercials of what the network was hyping. And so if you were watching NBC, you would have seen many, many promos for this thing called V. And they really ballyhooed it. And they really because they spent a lot of money on it, (laughs) Uh, a whole lot of money. And uh, so they wanted this to be successful. And yeah, I think that's how I caught it too. And I, I just, I said, well, you know, I got to again tune into this man. Uh, and I really loved it. It, it. it was a two-parter, this miniseries, and it had a great reveal. The One magazine called it the best reveal uh, in uh, television history of that decade, which is when uh, one of the visitors at the end, I think, of the first part, she uh, holds up, uh, she's got a guinea pig and she eats it. And that, that's when it's revealed. Uh, one of the greatest reveals of, of uh, TV ever. Uh, the, just what these aliens really are. And uh, I have to go with that. It was like, how could you not tune in to the next part? Mousies, <laughs> Yes, that was that was a pretty terrific scene. <laughs> there was a uh, one of the worker kind of class because they did have sort of their type. You know, they they had the the leaders in their military, and then they had the grunts sort of, and that's who Matt's imitating is one of the men who uh, was just one of the grunts and he was tracking down his lunch by going to the dumpster. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But uh, you know, I was, I was uh, a little bit too young to have the remote in my own hand when this originally came out. And I imagine that somebody had to, you know, press the buttons on the analog cable box and, you know, press the lever to get it to the station. The lever. (laughs) (laughs) I I have some fun memories of those old cable boxes, and I might actually just pick one up for nostalgia's sake. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, that was a show that uh, I wasn't old enough to watch just yet because the, you know, the previews for it showed the secret after that first night there, then Mm. underneath that facade of, I, they look just like us is, oh, my God, they're a scary beast underneath. So mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't watch it when it first came out. But I'll talk to you more about my impressions of this as we continue the discussion. But we are at about halfway through tonight's show. 
So we're going to trot on over here to the concession stand where our senior girl, showgirl, Gertie, is serving up a special cocktail or two in honor of our guest of honor. Hi, Matthew. It's a, I've, I put a mouse in a, a blender. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Gummy mice. Ooh, gummy mm-hmm. mice oh, yeah. and margaritas. Just another tequila mouse rice. Yeah, I was mm. just kidding about a real mouse. Oh. Yeah. So for your enjoyment, listeners, I have a interview with Mr. Kenneth Johnson, the producer director of V. When I first began thinking about V, uh, I had finished The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman. I had done four years, almost five years of The Incredible Hulk uh, at Universal and, uh, and had just joined Warner Brothers. Uh, and I read a novel by an American author, Sinclair Lewis, very famous author, wonderful writer. And he had written a book called It Can't Happen Here about a fascist uprising in the United States, similar to what had happened in Germany and and Italy during World War II. At the beginning, I didn't think about doing V as a science fiction piece. Uh, I had actually researched carefully and uh, and written a script um, that was about a grassroots takeover uh, of the American government by fascists. Uh, and there was no aliens or reptilians or anything like that involved. And, uh, and I was planning to do it as a motion picture, as a feature. Um, and I, I was having dinner with my friend Brandon Tartikoff one night, who was the president of NBC, dear guy. Uh, and he said, what are, you, what are you doing, Kenny? And I said, well, I've got this thing. I started to tell him about it. And he got very excited and he said, oh, I want to read it. And I said, Brandon, this is not television. This is a feature. This is a big stuff, you know. And he said, let me read it, let me read it. And so he read it and he got very excited and Brandon could be very compelling <laughs> and very seductive. And, uh, and he said, look, let's do this as a big miniseries. And, uh, and it could be a series that would go on and on as a one hour episodic show after that. Uh, and, you know, I thought about it. And I said, well, okay, that, that would be really interesting because there's so many wonderful stories to tell of intrigue and suspense and tension and paranoia about what it's like to be under occupation. Um, and he said, yeah, but, you know, Kenny, I'm not sure Americans would really understand fascism. And I said, well, it's not a complicated concept, Brandon. You shave your head, you put on a brown shirt, and you beat somebody up, you know? And he said, no, no, but, but couldn't it be an outside force that would come in, like the, the, the Chinese or then the Soviets, you know? And, and I said, I just don't believe they could sustain a long-lasting occupation of the United States. And I don't know, somehow the subject of aliens came up, and I went, ah! And so I really was not excited about the idea of doing something that was, you know, that involved aliens. But uh, I went home and I was thinking about it. And I got to thinking, well, it's, it's, wait a minute, this is kind of interesting. I could really work on a metaphorical level. I could tell a piece that would have all of a sudden this wonderful eye candy and this big visuals of spacecraft and everything like that that would hook in an audience, particularly a younger audience. And then once I got them, then I could tell the story that I really wanted to tell, which was a story of, uh, uh, of human conflict, of human relationships, of human emotions. So I went back to Brandon and I said, okay, I think I can do it the way that you're talking about. And I said, how does this sound to you? And I started telling him the story. And I sat in his office and literally told him the story for two hours. He never read the story. I just told it to him. And he said, that's great. Go write the script. And I said, don't you have any notes? <laughs> in Hollywood, you always get notes, you know. And, um, uh, and he said, no, what are you talking about? It's great. Go write the script. 
Okay. So I came back 19 days later with a 230-page screenplay. Brandon read it over a weekend, literally, which again never happens in Hollywood. And we are back. What a great interview. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we should talk about how eerily, all these years later, V resonates even today, mm-hmm. especially with our past administration. How spooky is that? Yeah, well, it's it's very on point. As I watched it again, there were so many little things that I could recognize from the last four or five years. But also, I loved how they brought in the Jewish aspect mm-hmm. uh, and really paralleled some of it. And actually, part of that and the people in that, like Abraham and everything, was one of the things that really spurred them forward with the movement. So... Loved that. Loved it. Yeah, because I mean, uh, I, I think that in more recent years, we know that I think the last surviving person from the Holocaust has gone on record as having passed. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, something that today's generation, they don't learn about in school anymore. So, you know, watching things like V, it's kind of, you know, to quote Galaxy Quest, it's a historical document because we're talking about experiences um, you know, the, the elder mm-hmm. members of the cast had lived through and they're trying to teach the younger people. This is what happened when you let the, you know, when you let them pull the wool over your eyes, this is what's going to happen. Right. You're going to get eaten, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that happens on V is uh, the uh, propaganda is put forth by the visitors for earthlings not to trust their scientists because the scientists are seeing through the smoke screen Mm -hmm. and they're starting to talk. And so the visitors start a whole bunch of propaganda against don't trust your scientists. And what did we have with COVID and Trump? (laughs) You know, it's really funny. I was just about to say, watching the show, I'm sitting there thinking, who's going to go throw a Molotov cocktail through a scientist's window? (laughs) And yet, you know what? You're absolutely right. I hadn't even really thought of that. That's that's a great point. Because for those of you who may not have watched this yet, and uh, it is available on certain digital services. I personally watched it through Amazon's Prime Video Service. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they have everyday people and they're they're explaining the, the level of influence that these visitors, the aliens are having on society. As Toppy was saying, you know, they're trying to uh, turn people against the most informed citizens, the scientists, and we have somebody who's an everyday person who's a gardener at this woman's house. And he goes up to her and there's a conversation through her window basically saying, you know, I can't work for you anymore, Mrs. And she's like, it's because of my husband, isn't he? He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. Another uh, theme in the that has its roots roots, uh, in the Nazi party is uh, a movement begins with the young people of earth who really latch on to the visitor's story. And they, they begin a youth movement 
in support of the visitors, uh, not unlike the youth movement of the uh, kids uh, in the Nazi party where they, well, I mean, you know, what do you want to say? Deceived, but brought in these children. And there was this bizarre amount of uh, national pride in this very weird way and these these kids became almost monsters because they were turning in jews uh and even their own relatives to the nazis their Mm -hmm. own relatives and they portrayed this on v so v recalled a lot of the stuff um and i think it was pretty effective and it never lost its sense of science fiction and, you know, the spaceships and everything. So it uh, certainly was appealing on a lot of levels. You know, and um, one of the scenes that reminds me of more recent years is when they have a press conference where the leader, John, is supposed to be talking to the public. And the, the underground, for lack of a better term, uh, has figured out a way to kind of, uh, you know, uh, integrate themselves in with the, the, um, the uh, staff, the, the catering people at this event. So they, they work their way into the party and they take the footage that the cameraman, Mike Donovan, who is Mark Singer's character, he has gone aboard the mothership and he has recorded an encounter where he sees the true identity of the visitors under their uh, their fake human skin and uh, they they need a moment to be able to expose them to the public but then after it's happened the visitors take over the situation and they film a redo of the events and broadcast as the real thing ergo vis-a-vis today's fake news fake news absolutely mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um matt i'm curious uh i i I must have watched it, but I have no memory. But there was a sequel miniseries to this original miniseries. Did you watch it? Yes, The Final Battle. And yeah. also there was a series. As well. Yeah. And I, re- for whatever reason, I remember the series. I just don't remember the sequel. The sequel uh, miniseries, just a word about it. What was, what was that like? Um, so that was The Final Battle. Uh, and that that took that went uh, took uh, from the point that of course the first one left off where they had won a small victory but they had captured uh, I believe they at that point they had captured Julie um, the rebel leader and then it, all the way up until they found the secret weapon that was going to get them to uh, leave Earth. So was the was the second series like let's just say maybe in the back of their head they thought about an ongoing series, but did they finish off the second series as if maybe that was the end of the story? Is that how they did it? Uh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then they they probably had really great ratings and they said, Yeah, let's do an ongoing series. Absolutely. The thing that I remember about the ongoing series is way back in the original, 
miniseries, a character called Robin got impregnated by an alien. Mm-hmm. And as I recall, she finally gives birth in the ongoing weekly series. No, no, she gave birth. She gave birth in the final battle. That oh, she did. That was how they found the weapon to to get the aliens off of Earth oh. was because of her birth. Yeah. Well, Matt, maybe there was a birth. There was like a, a big, a big. Mm-hmm. alien baby sequence in the tv series mm-hmm. and i think that's what i'm thinking do you remember what that was that's the th- one oh, thing the i remember TV most series? no i in oh. in the final battle yeah uh when rob i i don't think we're worrying about spoilers are we no, no okay yeah. so basically robin who was played by blair tefkin and uh her her interesting <laughs> acting skills shall we say um, so she gets pregnant by a visitor, which it was an experiment by Diana. And so she gets pregnant. She has the first child and it's a beautiful human looking healthy girl who, when gets up close to her, sticks her uh, like snake tongue out of her and freaks Robin out. Ah, my God, my baby's got a fork tongue. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, and then they're all like, okay, well we gave birth. And then all of a sudden, Julie looks over and sees this something else is happening. I think we're giving birth to twins. And then everybody freaks out and their lizard baby comes out with bright blue eyes and a human tongue. And it was one of the freakiest moments uh, of uh, 1980s television. But it's because of bacteria that was in that baby because that baby died that uh, they were able to find the weapon to get rid of uh, V from the planet. Basically, they poisoned the planet to the visitors. Yeah. I do. Uh, and just, of, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, uh, I was just going to say, it, it was also interesting because the baby, which was named Elizabeth, um, she basically, within the course of three days, became an 11-year-old child and uh, who spoke spoke the alien language without even knowing it and was a, a very magical um, child that would end up bringing Pratenama to the world. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I, uh, oh, just, I'll just finish up with the TV series. It, it suffered from a much lower budget, of course, and they relied on using the same shots that were mm-hmm. done for mm-hmm. the miniseries over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, for some reason, it lasted, I don't know, 13 episodes or something like it. And we, we never heard of it again until it was resurrected. Um, but I sure did like that ongoing uh, weekly series because yeah. I, I think every episode ended with a cliffhanger and I love yeah, cliffhanger. It- it was a really bad series, but it was also, if you were a V fan, it was a great series. Absolutely. DJ, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that in hindsight, looking back at this being a program from the 80s, some parts are difficult to watch, not just because, you know, you, you, you might be used to watching something with today's production values, but, um, you know, the, it wasn't necessarily consistent, like, I considered the makeup that was done on mm-hmm. the visitors to be well done. You know, when they would have a scene where their skin would be shredded to expose their reptilian real right. 
bodies underneath. That was actually pretty well done. The birth of the child, that was a <laughs> little bit less believable on camera, but you know, historically and classically, birth has always been something difficult to get real on camera when it's not. Right. So, not but, to uh, mention the fact that she wasn't big enough to have both of those inside of her. Exactly. <laughs> but that, you know, um, from the perspective that this is 2021, watching that and being a fan of science fiction, I felt bad for the reptilian baby because it didn't live. Right. And yeah. of course, everybody was just freaked out that this thing had come out of her. And I'm just thinking, how is that any different than your dog or your cat giving birth? And one of the members of the litter is like a runt. Right. And also, it's interesting that the other baby had to be taken out. And this baby like clawed its way out. And they didn't have any help. It was just like, ah, here I am. Ah. A, a little a la uh, Xenomorph and Alien with Sigourney uh, Weaver. Uh, yes. So let's talk about looking back on this, because I, I saw uh, the first miniseries. I reviewed it recently. And I guess the thing I was tickled by most was the 80s style women and the two lead alien women who scowled each, at each other through the whole thing and vied for control <laughs> and they scheme against each other these two alien women and yes. it was just it was like oh the smoldering looks they give each other that was my favorite thing that on was rewatch. on a spaceship <laughs> Diana you know, and Lydia, yes. Yeah, and Lydia, she she was. I would. I want to say that she was possibly British. The actress who played her, mm -hmm. and she had such a presence when she came on screen because you know, well, Diana, she was like the first officer or whatever. But this Lydia person that came on screen, she was like an admiral, and so mm -hmm. she had better step to licking her boots. Because she was in charge, but uh, you know that that character that she played kind of reminds me of some of the henchmen that were in that. What was it? The third Superman movie that Terrence Stamp was in. <laughs> well, he was only in the first two, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh well, oh, you mean the the what the 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 third alien uh, alien woman in in the Superman. Right when they had uh, generals on, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember her name, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and it was interesting that um, that uh, Diana Jane Badler was actually an Australian actress. Yeah, uh, she she had she continues to act to this day, but uh, you know, unless you are specifically a fan of Australian programming, you probably haven't heard of these. Yeah. things. But how hot was uh, Philip? Which one was Philip? Philip was the, the head of the, um, no, Martin. Okay, so Martin was the head of the fifth column, played mm -hmm. by Frank Ashmore, who had just, oh, he was so dreamy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Philip, actually, when they rebooted this series, Philip was Martin's brother. Hmm. So, and so it was able to have the same actor still play him. Mm -hmm. Matt, did you, did you see that reboot? It, it was, it wasn't a miniseries, but it was like a, a two season series. Which one? 
Uh, the, oh yes, the, the reboot. Yes, I did. And you know, the the first time I watched it through, I was highly disappointed. The second time I watched it through, I actually was like, "Wow, I wish they had done better in the beginning," because mm. they were actually starting to go somewhere. And I think that's the problem with some of these series is that they start out going very slow and very weak, and then they finish the season very strong, but nobody's interested at that point. Mm. Who, who did that? Who aired it? Was it? Uh, uh, that was actually uh, ABC, I believe, that aired that. I think. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, Kenneth Johnson was not a fan of the remake, but I think yeah. a relation of his may have been involved with the production because as I was doing some of the research for tonight's program, um, a, a, a someone by the last name of Johnson was listed as working on the music mm -hmm. for the V series in 09. Oh, you know, well, I was I was confused by that credit, too, because it seemed to indicate Kenneth Johnson composed the music. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking, like, I didn't know he composed music. I don't, <laughs> I think, and there, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think that one of his children is in the uh, music industry. I say children, mm -hmm. but, you know, any kids of his are probably at least my age. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting that that series was full of actors from other sci-fi series. I mean, the entire cast was just full. Almost every major character came from another top sci-fi series. Huh. It, it was really great. I mean, Firefly, Haven, um, just yeah, everywhere. But I do have one question for you when you're ready for it. Go ahead. Okay, so you know we follow the in the miniseries and the second miniseries through all this turmoil uh, the visitors have just like taken over everyone they're packing everybody on the on the the the, the meat plant you know they're going to serve us up later i mean there is just like the whole world is in chaos and at the very end when they finally do the thing that you know drives them off the planet and they all all the ships start taking off and everything there's this shot of suburbia with all these families coming out of their houses cheering at them and i and their lawns are perfect the sprinklers are on the houses are fine they look like they've just been like what have they been doing this whole time like you know everybody else is like going through hell there's bombs bursting everywhere there's plenty all this stuff's going on and they're just like oh i guess they're going away bye-bye <laughs> like where have you people been are you collaborators what's going on i, I wonder if the visitors had special programming airing during the day that had you know like right? subliminal messages <laughs> buy our swag on qvc <laughs> Do you not have to go to the black market like the other people to get, you know, a can of tuna? Like, what? What is this? <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I'm very happy of, did you notice that there's, like, no dogs? There, well, there's one dog at the very beginning in a camp. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's no dogs, there's no cats through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was very happy about that because if I had seen one poodle in a cage, I oh. would have been like, oh! <gasps> I hate this show. Uh -huh. I hate the poodle. Uh -huh. 
I almost wonder if maybe they recognize that. And let's not have them eat cats and dogs. Yeah. Well, let's have them eat mice. Gerbils, mice, or whatever. I mean, that's okay. Uh, the occasional human collaborator, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm going um, to tell you, I gave a little clap when he was carried away. Right. But you know, um, it's very clear to me that there are certain cast members who were definitely friends with the producer mr kenneth johnson it's like you know mr rogers neighborhood he does something else and wham they're in there the yes. the, the stringy blonde haired lady whose character was harmony who fell in love with the visitor willie she Aww. was the um often seen neighbor in alien nation who was concerned about the alien child going to her kid's school <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Good catch, girl. I loved Harmony. Yes. Oh, but yes, uh, 1983 V, which actually stood for victory. And Kenneth Johnson's um, critique of the remake was that they actually called the visitors the V in that version right. as if they were some, you know, communicable STI or something. Well, she did give everybody the you know what did they call it in the second one not the clap the um <laughs> gonna give... oh bliss that's what it was diana's gonna give us the bliss Ooh. Or, or no anna anna sorry Wait, her was mother that, was diana was that the precursor to zima in the 80s <laughs> no yes yes i'm going to give you the bliss <laughs> Oh, so we are uh, towards the end of our show here. We're out here in the lobby, and uh, we're at the part of the program, what we call our snack train. This is where we're going to tell you about things that are maybe sort of related to V that you might also like if you've watched V or similar Kenneth Johnson shows. So I'll go ahead and go first. Um, in our second season here on Matt Name Minutia, we talked about a favorite of mine from my early teens. I watched Alien Nation in 89, and I was one of the folks that was so sad that it got canceled for after one season and got replaced in its time slot with 90210. I was not... <laughs> I, I was not a member of the popular crowd in high school. I did not have a subscription to Tiger Beat, so my world was crushed. But yes, Alien Nation from 89 was the Kenneth Johnson series made for Fox. And also, I think if you like V, you might enjoy a series done in 88 by CBS. And uh, it was a television version of a famous radio broadcast called War of the Worlds, based on H.G. Wells' novel. And uh, it was, of course, like I said, a, a series retelling the radio drama TV style. Nice, good choices. Matt, what about you? Does this did uh, V make you think of something else? Oh, um, hmm. Did it make me hmm? Hmm. Uh, hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that it was so original and and wonderful that I didn't uh, I didn't really you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't know. Nothing I, compares to V. I, I, I think you told me backstage that you were getting out your copy of Beastmaster to watch because you wanted more Mark Singer. Oh. <laughs> My mother and I watched that uh, together many, many times for 
well, actually, maybe the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The thing I, I'm just going to re- recommend, and it's totally Kenneth Johnson, who was so, so dedicated to V, so dedicated to Alienation. The other series he was very dedicated to was The Incredible Hulk. And I would recommend anyone who hasn't seen it is to watch the pilot episode, the pilot movie television movie for the incredible hulk which i think is just called the incredible hulk and it's the origin story of uh the hulk and uh it's it's pure kenneth johnson just it's just pure uh sci-fi fantasy Mm -hmm. uh but great characters and good storytelling so that's my recommendation if you want more kenneth johnson I want to go back and watch Bionic Woman now. Yeah, yeah. He, Kenneth Johnson got in on the back end of the Six Million Dollar Man, and he wasn't the showrunner the show or anything, but he came in uh, as a scriptwriter, and he came. He was the one that came up with the whole idea of Jamie Summers. And uh, when it came time to well, let's do let's do a spinoff, Kenneth Johnson was like, "Yeah, gimme Jamie, gimme my character. I'm gonna nice. make a TV series of her," and he did. And then he gave us Max the dog. <laughs> I'm gonna save the little girl. And then, and then later on, we got the sleep number beds, but they had more to do with um, <laughs> Lindsay Wagner. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> who is a dead ringer for my mother. Mm, so, Toppy, if you will, sir, reach up on that shelf here and grab me that bag of coins the magician left behind. Okay, let me get it. Here you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, we're going to let you know what's coming down the pike here on our next episode, which will be Friday, June 4th. Alrighty, sir, if you'll hand me that capsule. There you go. Alrighty, <laughs> our next episode. Well, in light of it being pride in many parts of the country, it's June next month, so June's busting out all over. Uh, maybe she needs some uh, appropriate attire. We might break the uh, dress code at work there. Uh, but anyways, we've got a mid-90s romantic comedy. It's a drama based on a play by the author of Adam's Family Values and In and Out with Kevin Klein. It's a story of a 30-ish gay actor, waiter, who decides to become celibate, and the risk of AIDS has taken all the joy from sex. This film stars Star Trek's Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick, that is, and star of NBC's sitcom Wings, Stephen Weber. Next time on Matinee Minutia, Jeffrey. Mm. Hey! Okay, well, we're going to take a look back over the balcony and uh, say goodnight to our listeners. We had our friend Aunt Tudor from the Mid-Atlantics there. Oh, Hobby Billy did uh, finally scrape in there. And uh, Lady Janet was among us. Also have Maren there from the Midwest. And Tommy Hashbrowns from the Great White North. Thank you so much for all of you joining us tonight. Yes, thank you. And uh, our guest of honor, Mr. Matt, please, if you would be so kind, 
let our listeners know where else they can find you when you're not appearing on fabulous shows like this. I will be down in the alley across the street. Oh, wait. Um, okay. So you can find me over at chubscomwild.com. Yes, that's the one at my other show, Chubs Come Wild. And of course, at my other, other podcast, BigGaySexShow.com. It's only ever whispered. Yes. We're a secret. And uh, word has it that he's actually written a word or two that's been put down on paper, too. So you have a website for that as well, don't you, sir? I do. It's called JustKissTheGuy.com, which will soon have information about my new book, which will be out next month. Ooh, just in time for a uh, spring slash summer fling. Uh, well, you should read it first. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, Toppy, we are out here at the lobby and we're ready for the good old fashioned goodbye. Can you do this old radio style? Could you say good night, Gracie? Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our program is live every other Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go to univospods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. Oliver! This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.